Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour Jamie Ivy Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and welcome to March. It's officially the first day that a happy hour is coming out in the month of March. And so here we are. And we have a really fun show today. In fact, um, a special guest is on the show with me. And I have a guest on every week with me. But when I say special guest, it should tell you it's a special, 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 special guest today. My husband, Aaron Ivy is joining me. Aaron, welcome to the show. Hey, hey. I like how many times you used special. Thank you. You are special. Wow. You are very special. Um, well, Aaron's on because today is uh, the show where we are celebrating the one-year birthday of the book that we wrote together called Compliment, The Surprising Beauty of Choosing Together Over Separate in Marriage. I thought we would have like a cake with can- like one candle on it or like some balloons or something. Oh, we will, babe. Don't okay. you worry. Okay. Don't you worry. Okay. Happy birthday to this book that you and I wrote together. I'm so excited about it coming out. It came out a year ago, and we've heard such great stuff about it. And today, we're going to dive in and answer some of your questions about marriage that you sent in, but also just talk about some of the things that we're dealing with with our marriage in a particular season that we're in right now, which we've had teenagers for a while, but we're about to launch a teenager. Oh, man into college, into university life. Yep, into like being a real person like into, on his own. Into We're going to cut him off. We're going to cut off the gas card. We're going to cut off insurance, healthcare. Uh, <laughs> what else can we cut off? Christmas presents, birthday presents. In all seriousness, when you went to college, did your parents still provide everything for you? My parents gave me a gas card. Uh-huh. They still paid for my insurance and my car insurance and my car note. Wow. I used to go to the gas station and use the gas card to buy groceries. Oh, I did that same thing too. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. They never realized like, wait, it only costs $35 to fill up his little car. Mm-hmm. Why is the bill $85? Yeah. But I would just go in and get chips and salsa and snacks and yeah, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I did the same thing. In fact, uh, one of my favorite pictures from our wedding day actually is right before my dad walked me down the aisle, we were back in the back of the church. I don't know if you even know this. I remember this, yeah. Yeah, we were back in the back of the church and I had planned this whole thing out and the photographer was ready. And not immediately before we walked out, but, but really, a, close. really close to where we walked out. I was like, dad, I want to, I have something for you. I want to give it to you. And I handed him back all of my credit cards yes. or all of his credit cards, yeah, I should his say. his credit cards. He died laughing. It's one of my favorite pictures ever. The photographer got such a great picture. But then I remember like a couple months into our marriage, we were like, now why did we give those credit cards back? Exactly. <laughs> so he, you waited a long time. Does that mean Caden's going to be like... <laughs> that far into life before we get our credit cards back my parents were so nice they were so nice i mean i do have some friends that when their kids go to college i think they'll still pay for like some things but they're pretty much like an adult i like that you do yeah i mean he'll have to get a job well school when we went to visit this university he's interested they said we don't really recommend the students work because they have so much time and i was in there going uh you're gonna be a barista someplace Uh, and i've been to college (laughs) you have a lot of downtime in college it's not like you're studying 12 hours a day yeah so i hope that i mean this is new for us and so we haven't talked about this public how do you feel about sending a kid off to college i i thought that i would be like more sad but i'm actually really excited for him um, maybe I'm, I'm sure I'll feel sad like when we drive away from college without him. Um, but I'm more excited for him. Like I'm really excited about like the life he's going to build. 
you know, he's into film school, so he's already making films. He's just super creative and got his head on his shoulders. So I'm actually really excited about college for him. Shout out to Ivy Films. Right? Is that his Instagram handle? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, I remember years ago when we lived in Nashville, we had some really close friends, Shauna and Kent Shingleton, and uh, they had kids who are... So when Caden and Deacon, when we lived there, that's who we had. We were real little. They were in middle school and high school. Yeah, yeah. So they were lots of stages ahead of us. In fact, we couldn't even like comprehend. No, we could not fathom Caden right being a college student because he was like a twelve month old. Right. And now here we are. And I remember just asking her, like, "Man, how are you? How do you do this?" And she would say, "Like, it's sad, but they're ready. Like, you're ready for this next stage." And I think that's kind of how I feel. I mean, it's not like we can't wait for him to leave. No, but you do get to the point where you're like, "It's time for you to like go to the next yeah. step." Now you need to work out all your problems with some roommates, you know, and a professor. <laughs> uh, go, 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 do that. Yeah, I remember when Caden started ninth grade, and I had this visual that he started ninth grade, and we turned this hourglass over, and it was. Yeah, and it felt like we're we're at the end, and it went quick, and it in a flash. Don't you hate when you hear people say that? Like, better enjoy it; it's gonna go quick. And I always like are. rolled my eyes, like, well, no, it's not. Yeah, but it really did. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed this. I've been driving story to school a lot. Uh, you've told me that quite a bit, and I didn't put two and two together. Why? Look, I almost just got teary eyed because she's our last. Hmm. And. What you are you're not just teary-eyed. Why are you crying? Because when I think about Caden leaving in that ninth grade, I felt like that hourglass started. And Story's in eighth grade. Hmm. And when she's a sophomore, she'll get a car and drive just like these other kids. And I thought, I had the flexibility. What could I do to spend more time with her? Wow. I didn't know this. Uh-huh. And so I've been driving her to school. We actually, Jamie and I only talk to each other when we're recording podcasts. So this is good to know. Thanks. I know. Wait, how many days a week do you think you're doing that? Oh, at least three or four. Wow. You know, I mean, she still rides the bus some, but yeah. And it gets me up and out of the house and I can be at the office by 830. So it's great. I like that. So every morning when you drop her off, she's like, mom, thanks for that one-on-one time. No, nope, she, this morning she got in the car and she put her headphones on. Uh, so okay, <laughs> yeah, okay. that's how it is. She'll but, remember it one day. Well, I think it's just like something that is good for me, too. Like, you know, I see Caden going off uh, and then she's our last one. Mm. So this is um, we're going to talk about marriage today. And um, the reason we're talking about marriage is because, A, we're married to each other. We are still married to each other other after 20 and a half years. And um, our book, Compliment, like I said earlier, released a year ago, which feels like forever ago. Oh, I was going to say it flew by. Yeah. Wait, it feels like forever ago or it feels like not too forever ago? Well, I also released a book in October, okay. a kid's book. And so it feels like that was like two books ago. And it was. It for was. Me. Yeah. For me, it doesn't. It, I, I was shocked that it's been a year. Yeah. This new book that just came out mm-hmm. 12 yeah, months ago. Yeah. And one of the things also that we released last year was the marriage challenge for right. 2021, which I want to let everyone know you can 100% still do that. It's there. Yeah. If you go to Aaron and Jamie slash marriage challenge, it's free. And it's just every month we gave you a resource of a podcast interview books we thought would would pair well with that interview and then some date night um, questions. In fact, someone sent in and said, thank you so much for all the interviews. The marriage challenge was super insightful. This is what she said. She said, I was single when I started it whoa right so it's not just for married people i was single when i started it in january of 2021 believing god for a mate 
She's from Zimbabwe. Believing God for a mate. I was going to say Zimbabwe <laughs> or Australia. Yeah. And he came along in December of 2021. Whoa. The marriage challenge has been helpful in my new relationship because I have clarity on the kind of marriage I'm intending to build. And I know the kind of conversations to have with my boyfriend that will build our marriage. That is so cool. Isn't that cool? Wow. Another person said, my husband and I read the books and listened to all the marriage challenges together. One thing it helped was with giving us the ability to talk about some things that might have been hard or awkward. We realized we weren't the only ones. And in order to make our marriage stronger, those conversations were good. I love that. I yeah, love that. Yeah. I think what this is encouraging to me as well is, and I want to talk with you about this actually, is we've had some challenges uh, in the past year that are maybe unseen to the, yeah. to the public eye yeah. that we've walked through together. And I was telling a girlfriend the other day that I feel like I'm still learning things about you. Okay. Well, not not in a bad way, but we have seen each other walk through this differently. Right. And I think that hasn't been surprising because I've talked to enough people to realize everyone grieves differently. Everyone responds to things Everyone differently. responds to yep. things differently. But I think one of the things I'm super proud of us for is that we have been patient and patient with each other's different response and vulnerable with each other with our own response. Yeah, that's Would you true. say that to be true? Yeah, I think we've both given each other space to respond to hard things like differently because we do not respond the same way. I think that we have grown in that. Yeah, I don't know that we would have done that early on. That's what I mean. But I think going through smaller conflict early on, we did realize like, oh, you you re- you react to things differently than I do. You tend to want to verbally process. I tend to want to go into a cave and not talk to anybody about it. Um, so we kind of learned some of that early on, but I feel like it's been tested a lot more in the last year. And we both see that we we actually are very different in how we reply to stuff. You know that I want to answer this question that someone sent in. We asked on Instagram for some questions and someone asked this. How are you intentional to not start to grow apart when you're both so busy in ministry? And I think even right now with us talking about this kind of conflict and difficulty that we've had to go through uh, behind, you know, in our personal lives, we've both still continue to run our lives and do our jobs and be parents and be married and all the things. Yeah, I remember, uh, you know, a therapist asked us like, how has this affected your marriage? You know, and uh, almost like uh, assuming that, man, that what you guys have been through is really hard. I'm sure that's affected your marriage in a, in a negative way, but it hasn't. Like it's actually made us come closer together and understand each other, show more patience, mm-hmm. more kindness to each yeah. other which I'm super thankful for. So all of you that are building marriage, um, you know, in the early years or even refining marriage, like it really is worth it because you might get to something that's bigger than anything you've tackled before. And you're going to need that foundation of trust and patience and forgiveness, all the things that we talk about, you know, Mm -hmm. like you you really do need those at some point in your life because everybody's going to go through something way harder than they imagined or yeah. thought was going to come. Yeah. And I think I heard someone say one time, you realize that you, you're not married to the person you married. Right. And because we've changed. Everybody we've evolved, changes. Everyone changes. We have four kids now. We're different seasons, all the things. You used to be so nice to me. Oh, my gosh. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think also like what you're saying, we've talked openly here and in other places about the struggles that we had in 2020. Right. With um, married life. It was really hard. And I think us plowing through that. And by plowing, I mean limping and trying to get through working, it, working, working hard, through it. really helped us in other seasons. Yeah, absolutely. You want to answer some more questions? I'd love to. Okay, here we go. This came up, the same question a couple different ways. With your kids being older now and staying up late, how do you find time for intimacy? I cow. 
(laughs) (laughs) Calendar planning. Calendar planning. You know, it's funny because I have said this before is that I now will tell my friends with little kids. And I think we've said this together when we've been on a podcast interview, like you're so tired then with little kids, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't, it's, it's, it, it, you can't explain how different it is than now with having all these teenagers in our house. Right. One hundred percent different. I would give you, I would give somebody all four of my teenagers for a month, maybe a week and take their little kids mm-hmm. because it's just different. Yeah. Because when you have little kids, it is hard. There's a lot of hard things oh, yeah. that you're walking through and you're tired. But I mean, most nights they go to bed by seven. Like I hear, you know, other parents talking about <laughs> they're putting their kids to, to bed at seven. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Our kids that aren't even would home be yet. so nice. No, they're still they're still at lacrosse practice, practice or wrestling practice. Yeah, still working or working at, at the car wash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they get home at eleven, and then they want to hang out, and so then we're up till midnight unless yeah. we shut it down early. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that we've had to be intentional about, and again, this has come from a lot of communication with us as well, as we both value intimacy. Um, we both also value like being well rested adults, right? <laughs> and we also both value spending time with our kids yeah and like you just alluded it's like to all three of those are important. yeah all three of those are important but all three of those can't happen not on the, the same, same night. day nope they can't no. so knowing that like just knowing hey what is tonight is tonight a me and you night is tonight uh i'm you know we're both exhausted or i'm exhausted let's just go to bed or is it we need to hang out with the kids tonight yeah we talk about that yeah like, well, we do what talk does tonight look like yeah and there have been many times when like i've been on my way to bed and one of the kids shows up in the kitchen and they're coming down there to eat probably their 17th meal of the night. And they're actually and alive. They are at that alive point. and they want to talk to you. Because teenagers are nocturnal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're completely mm-hmm. gone during the day. Yeah. And then they, they it's like they wake up yeah. around 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. So I think that it's been a lot of communication. You know, I also just want to throw this in there. This isn't a question and this doesn't have anything to do with you, but I was some of my girlfriends were talking just yesterday about how no one really talks about your sex drive and everything changing and your Mm -hmm. bodies are changing and we're in our mid forties and we have teenagers and we both work full time and we're tired. Like nine o'clock we're looking at the the (laughs) clock and we're going, man, yeah. Ooh, let's go to bed. But I think it's just your, and also like just hormonal stuff for a woman's body change and Mm. things just cannot be the same as they were mm, is it getting hot in here <laughs> it gets all sweaty no uh, but but we do like we joke about iCal um but we really do talk through the week like hey what are the nights where we are together what are the nights where we're gonna we're gonna go upstairs whether the kids are hanging out or not and we're gonna we're gonna go to bed and we just talk about that and you know it, we tell this to younger couples too that are like about to get married or newlywed and it just seems like such a foreign concept like wait you would have to talk about when you're gonna have sex or you'd have to like plan it out like hey monday's date night let's make sure it's just me and you you know um and it just seems so weird but i was looking at so there's this guy that i mentored and uh his calendar still shows up on my phone and so i looked at the calendar and on this calendar i saw at night every single week it just said s period l period and I was like, S period, L period? What in the world is that? Are you about to tell his business? Well, and I thought it stood for sex life. Oh, S-L. S-L. And I was like so proud. I was like, oh my gosh, you're scheduling <laughs> sex on your iCal. But they're newlyweds so then, with no kids. Right, like, so then I asked him. I asked him, I was like, dude, S-L, what up, dude? He's like, uh, what do you mean? That stands for spiritual leadership. 
and he's like reading a spiritual leadership book. Um, so we don't like put it on our iCal, like there's not a bubble, you know, that says SL, but we do, we do plan, we do plan for it yeah. and talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're more honest about it instead of just kind of assuming or waiting um, for that to happen. But you know, just being very communicative about it. And that comes with vulnerability for one person to say, hey, um, it's been like 10 days. Uh, I think we should kind of think about this. And the other person to hear that in a way that's like, oh, how do I love my spouse? Okay, let's do this one. How to overcome the wrong ways that marriage was modeled for us. Um, I want to speak into this first and say that I think our kids will have to overcome things. Totally. And I am a big believer in that everyone if they're working towards it, is going to be healthier than the generation before them in, in different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we're talking specific marriage, you and I can both say, man, ma- we each had marriage modeled for us. Yeah. Both of our parents are still married after mm-hmm. 45, 50 years. Um, all my grandparents were still married when, yeah. when they passed away. We saw marriages within our churches, within uh, mentors that we had. And so everyone has marriage something modeled for them them. yes whether it's good or bad and i think even i mean i would say this if my parents were sitting here i'm not throwing anyone under the bus even my parents have been married for 45 years there are things about their marriage that i've wanted to do differently Mm -hmm. but it's not because it's like oh look at them it's just me going i'm gonna do this a different way yeah and so i think when i someone asked that question for me it thinks like man Really take an inventory of like who who was modeling marriages for you whether that was your parents your grandparents your son's school teacher your biology teacher, I don't know, whoever's close to you. Yeah. What about their marriage did you say, man, this looks like the way that God designed marriage to yeah. be? And yeah. what about their marriage did you go, you know what, I don't really think that's the best way to communicate with someone or the best way to deal with things. And then guess what? It's your marriage. Right, right. You get to make a choice. Yeah, it's like when you look at your parents, you can either be a, a student or a cynic. And you mm. can you can look at it and go, oh, well, there was some good things. You know, maybe it was only one good thing, but there there were some good things. So I'm going to learn from those. I'm also going to learn from the things that I don't want to do. Um, and I think so, so many times we're instead we're just cynical and we just mm. think, well, we're better than them. Our generation's better. That old generation's stupid. Um, but, you know, not being a, a cynic, but just really genuinely critically learning from the past and doing the good things, copying those and then looking at the things that were not great and just going, great. I'm so glad I learned what it looks like when you do it poorly. Let's not do that. That's so good. Okay, next question is this. How do you forgive and forget? Mm. And I think one of the best books I've read on that is by my friend Lisa Turkhurst called Forgiving What You Can't Forget. Right. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. And I just don't think that as humans, we have the ability to be like, I forgot this. Nope. It never happened. Um, And so 100%, you can listen to what we're going to say and we'll give you our opinions and thoughts, but go get Lisa's book because it's really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. I think forgiving... It, the essence of real forgiveness is remembering but choosing to still love. Mm. Now, I can't forget the things that I've had to forgive you for. I can't. Mm-hmm. And that's an unrealistic expectation. Yeah. Of maybe one day I'll forget that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some things with time, I'm sure, you yeah. know, we'll laugh about one day and be like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot that I did that. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, forgiving is like, yeah, sure, I might remember that, but I choose to like love and yeah. I choose to move past that. I remember when I visited Rwanda in January of 2020, and uh, if you're if you're listening, you're not familiar. Um, back in the late 90s, I believe it was Rwanda had one of the most massive genocides, you know, that the world had in, seen. Yeah, yeah, that we'd walked through. 
Uh, in like 30 days, a million and a half people were killed, um, murdered. And so their country just was, <laughs> I mean, went through hell with that. And here we are, you know, what, 25, 30 years on the other side of it. And I expected to walk into a country that was just like depressed mm-hmm. and just terrible. And it was one of the most vibrant places I've ever visited. And like I've, beautiful. Beautiful. The and the people and the land did not look like they'd been through this, you know, 25 years ago. And I asked one of the pastors that we were with, like, explain this to me, you know. And he said that the country had to make a des- decision not to rehearse the pain. Mm. And I've never forgot that because obviously they haven't forgotten. They still remember There's the pain. memorials. Yeah. People lost the whole households you know women watch their husbands be murdered in front of them um and so they didn't no one has forgotten the genocide that happened but they don't rehearse but they don't rehearse the pain and he said that was their key and that's good for marriage too like i might remember it but i'm not going to rehearse it i'm not going to play it over in my head i'm Mm -hmm. not going to hold it against you yeah and i would say that's harder for me i don't know i i don't know that you do that i i I, forgive you (laughs) rehearsing the pain is something that would be real easy for me Mm -hmm. to really go back and remember, man, I felt so hurt in that moment (laughs) and then start to just be hurt all over again. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't think of any examples of when you did that (laughs) recently. (laughs) That's so true, though. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let me ask a question. Okay. Um, Okay, here's one that I saw that uh, it just stuck out to me. It's just profound, and I think I'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, What is your favorite thing about Aaron? (laughs) <laughs> that's literally a question on here no it, the question is what is your favorite thing about aaron and then aaron what is your favorite thing about jamie let's go some positive stuff some for a little bit stuff. yeah enough about this fighting for giving stuff okay one of my favorite things about you is uh your um your the loyalty that you have for people um so I've seen that with friendships that even have gone through hard stuff or a friend has disappointed you or um, walked away or whatever. You're you're just, when you are loyal to someone, you're very, very loyal. And so that's really cool. And very, I'm thankful for that as a husband, <laughs> that you're very loyal. Um, but that that is one of my favorite things about yeah. you because you have a very loyal heart and loyal spirit mm-hmm. um, to your family, to your kids, to me, um, to your friends, to the people you work with. That's a great quality. Um, I think one of my favorite things about you, and this sounds pretty lame after you just said the word loyal, but um, I still laugh so much Mm. when I'm with you. And so, you know, we, (laughs) I don't know that this will translate on the podcast, but sometimes we'll be like laying in bed and we'll be like, man, 20 years next to the same person. I can't believe it. (laughs) Same (laughs) body. And we're just joking, you know, but I think that there is some that is true. Like we, we, I've slept next to the same person for, you know, almost 21 years. Hmm. But I think one of the things that is like, we're such good friends and yeah. you make me laugh uh-huh. and I really enjoy our friendship. So laughter and loyalty. That's the key. Yep. There it that's is. That's the key right there. Someone asked, are there things that y'all do weekly, monthly or annually that you think help in marriage? Yeah. I mean, I can think of, um, some things that we do well and then there's probably some things that other people tell you that you should do that we don't do that would probably help us as well i mean i know a lot of people talk about like working on their budget together and that helps and or we're still every january to get coming that. up with goals together that kind yeah, of thing. yeah and i think those are amazing yeah we don't bend that way in right. our marriage um i think for us one of the things that's been so key for us has been time mm-hmm. and that has been quality time yeah because um 
especially over the past couple of years, we already said we had four teenagers over the past five years, my job has taken me to traveling more. And so I'm not home every night of the week, like I would have been 10 years ago. Right. And so for us, I think we really value quality time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which means we're really shooting for a date night every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're shooting to get away two or three times a year together. Yep. That things that really helps. Yeah. I was talking to a friend. He's married. He's going through a really hard kind of marriage season. And he was just talking to me about, you know, how hard that is. And they haven't gotten away together in a while. And I just asked him, I was like, when's the last time y'all did something just really fun together? Mm-hmm. Like, when was your quality time just built around let's go do something fun, you know, not hash it out, not plan something, not work on budget, but just go have fun. And he was like, man, that's a really good idea. We should just go have fun. Yeah. And I think that's good. That's like right Yeah. Um, to just go, you know, even not to live like oblivious mm-hmm. to what's going on, but mm-hmm. just to go like, you know what? Yeah. Kids are hard right now. Yeah. Or yeah, we have babies, um, but it's worth it to yeah. get a babysitter tonight. Let's just go have fun. Yeah. Let's go to a movie. Let's go play putt putt. Yeah. Let's, uh, you know, record a podcast. Record a podcast in the yeah. middle of the day. Uh-huh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> okay, here's a good question. Uh, and we have a lot of couples in our life right now that are in this season. How do you figure out the first year of marriage? You know, you got two people coming together. They've dated, but dating is very different than marriage. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people ask that question like, okay, this is not what I expected. This is different how how do I actually figure out how to do the first year of marriage? Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard. And looking back again, that was 21 years ago for us. And we were so young. We were babies. And so I have friends who are getting married now and they're 32. They've lived. They've got their own uh, house. They have their own car payment. You know, they didn't they didn't come into a marriage right. fresh out of college like we did or still in college like we did as well. Um, And so I think some of the things that I think would be important would be expectations. Mm. And so even so much as like you're dating and you're engaged and you're getting married, expectations of like, what what does your morning look like? Right. Especially if you've been living by yourself. Right. Because all of a sudden, this person is up at five on a walk and making coffee and and cleaning pots around in in the kitchen, and you don't roll out of bed till 8.30. That feels like trivial, but it's not, but it's not, it's important. Yeah. Because one might have the expectation, oh, before we both go to work, we're going to have breakfast together. Mm -hmm. Right. And the other person's expectation is, well, no, no, we're going to sleep an extra 30 minutes. Right. Right. And I think even with like calendaring, um, a lot of younger couples, uh, I think bring extra tension and conflict into the relationship because they're just not clear about like what the schedule is going to be, you know? So when you're single, you're like. You know, a friend says, hey, do you want to go out on Thursday night? You're like, well, yeah, I got nothing else to do on Thursday night. But that doesn't always change when you get married. And so guys will still go like, well, yeah, I can go hang out Thursday night. And then it's Thursday afternoon. And then they tell their wife, oh, by the way, I'm hanging out with Bobby, you know, Mm -hmm. tonight. And that could just be so, that could be solved so easily of just clear expectations up front. Hey, what does Thursday night look like? Are you cool if I plan something, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, uh, we have a couple friend that every Sunday afternoon, like five o'clock, they get together and they look at each other's calendars and they, they kind of plot out what the week's going to be. Hey, what time are you planning to be home 
on Monday night. Hey, what do you have Tuesday morning? And they talked about how just that one little 30 minute sort of thing helps set expectations. Which speaking of expectations, there was a question in there and they might have been joking, but I'm going to bring it in anyways. They said, why is it that the woman always cooks and cleans? Why is that the assumption? Did you Mm. see that question Mm -hmm. in there? Yeah. And I think that's a valid question. And it goes back to like, what what are we communicating about? Because I look back on our marriage early on and pre having kids, we both worked full time. Right. We were students and then we both had jobs. And then we had kids and we made the the decision that I would be a stay at home mom. Right. Okay. So with that, I also took on responsibilities for other things as well. But it was this conversation that we had, you know, and so I think that that mentality of like, oh, I'm getting married and the man does all the outside work and brings in the money and the woman does all the kids and the inside work. I think that is very much two generations ago. Yeah. Because like in our particular marriage, I talk about this all the time online, is that you cook all the meals mm-hmm. and I like to mow, you know? And so there yeah. there are these like different ideas of what would be gender roles that I just don't think you have to bring into your marriage. Right. You know, like I know my brother does all his own laundry and his wife does her own laundry. And some people would be like, oh, why is that? Well, they've just communicated just it and they, that works best for them. That's what they do. Yeah. And so I think coming into a marriage, say like, what's gonna work best for our marriage in this particular season? Right. Which if you're a stay-at-home mom, uh, you, might, you might need your husband to do grocery shopping for you. Yes, I think some of it's as easy as like, what do you like to do and what yes. do you not like to do? And if there are things that you don't like to do, well, let me take that. You know, some some people are like, man, I, I, I like for you, you hate taking the trash out. Um, so I don't think that's like your job. I don't think it's necessarily my job. But when we talk about it, it's like, oh, well, I can take the trash out. Yeah, I'll be in charge of that. Yeah. And then you have kids, and they turn into <laughs> teenagers, and teenagers, and you say, now this is your chore, big guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you still have to tell them every day to do it. You have to tell them every day. But now we have a new plan, <laughs> a new punishment for if you don't do your chore, because we found ourselves like saying the same freaking thing every single day hey you take trash out hey you take trash out hey you take trash out so now that they all have bank accounts and jobs and a venmo if you don't take the trash out dad sends you a venmo request for five dollars five dollars for every chore not done five dollars that's a third of an hour of work at yep. h-e-b yep <laughs> <laughs> that's what that is and that's not even a full chick-fil-a trip no it's not five dollars didn't even get you a latte at starbucks anymore <laughs> no it doesn't okay here's a good one what do you say to your spouse when they are rude or discouraging in public? Like to you. Oh, yeah. We talk about this a little bit in our book. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about what we do and just kind of the, you know, safeguards we put around that. Yeah. Because one of my biggest pet peeves is being at, out to dinner with another couple. And in that conversation, one of the spouse uh, spouses is like rude or you know, disrespectful to the other person or takes a quick jab, sarcastic, and you just see the other person melt, right? Mm -hmm. So how do we, uh, how do we do that? I think this is something that we started to have a value of early on in our marriage. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that it probably started from one of us, I won't say who, probably me, taking, making a sarcastic jab at someone's expense. Mine. Yours. Right. (laughs) It was probably really funny what I said. It, I don't, it wasn't funny. It nope. probably Mm-mm. was. Nope. Um, and then you telling me. Afterwards. Afterwards. Hey, that hurt my feelings. Or I don't like it when you do that. And here's where I think a lot of people miss each other is two things will happen. Number one, that person will not have the courage to say that to their spouse. That hurt me when you did that. Yeah. And so I think the first step is to have a relationship where the, each of you have the opportunity, the vulnerability, and the safety to say, hey, this 
what you did offended me. me. It wounded me. It hurt me. And then I think the next thing that has to happen is whatever spouse is hearing that has to have the maturity and the, um, I don't think it takes vulnerability. I think it takes maturity, humility, humility to hear that, whether you meant to hurt them or not and say, I'm sorry, I don't want to do that again. Yeah, because, because that's how you felt. Yes. So whether I meant it that way or not, that's the big matter. thing, because I think there have been times earlier on when I was like, well, I didn't mean it like that. And the, the point is, but I felt hurt by that. Mm-hmm. And so I think in our marriage, we both value each other so much and we don't want to hurt each other that we're able to come to the table in a safe spot and say, hey, I don't like it when you do that. Now, after 21 years, I think we understand what's going to be hurtful right, and what's right. not. And I mean, I don't mean to sound weird. I just would never want to hurt you. Yeah. And so... Yeah, if you want to publicly hurt your spouse, maybe that's something we should address first. Yeah, right? like I just would that would break my heart to know that I did that. Yeah. And and so I think that probably is a real big plus for us is mm-hmm. that neither one of we us don't want we to don't do that want to, to hurt you. Even if I think it's a funny joke. If it hurts you, it's not worth the laugh. Mm-hmm. That's good. Okay, here's a question. I didn't know what it meant, so I had to Google it. Oh. Okay. The question is this. Is the seven-year itch real? You didn't know what the seven-year itch was? I mean... You thought it was like jock itch or like an STD or something? Yeah, it was like a, a <laughs> like an ant bite that wouldn't go away for seven years. I, di- I didn't know what the seven-year okay. itch was, okay. but I Googled it. If you don't know, yeah. seven-year itch is this idea that after about seven years, you go a little stir-crazy and you want to pursue somebody else instead of the spouse that mm-hmm. you're committed to right mm-hmm. um so the question is is the seven-year itch real which i think what they're saying is is it real there because there is even in, the, in, in our culture like this idea of like man it must be really boring to be with the same person for seven years much less like 20 or 50 you know how, how have you felt about that well i want to just say you said something about like the seven-year itch is when you want to go pursue someone else i have always just heard it as in it's just like Things could get stale and boring. I Googled it. The seven-year itch is you have a desire or a compulsion to pursue infidelity with your spouse. Okay. Well, here's what Wikipedia says. It says, the seven-year itch is a popular belief, sometimes quoted as having psychological backing. So that sounds true, right? That happiness in a marriage or long-term romantic relationship declines around seven years. Hmm, okay. They're saying it can only last seven years. Well, let's go with that one. Yeah, I like that Let, one Let's go that instead of like in seven years, you're going to want to cheat on your, your spouse. I, right? I think that's a whole okay, other podcast. Let's go with your definition, Wikipedia, not Google, Wikipedia's definition of seven-year itch. Have you experienced that? And let's not, who cares if it's seven or four or 19? <laughs> Have you experienced that? Do you think it's real? Uh, I think that it is real. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that with the, what we said earlier is I think that you, every year you you realize that you didn't, you're not married to the person you married on that day you said I do. Right. And so I think every year you're getting this evolving person. Like, I hope I'm not the same person I was in 2001 when I married you. I hope that I, um, am I'm a better person spiritually, emotionally, like mentally, all the things like I want to be growing and so i think sometimes what happens is we see people growing but they're not 
because uh, I don't think you have to grow at the same pace or at the same time. I think none of that is the thing, but I think you have to be like, am I willing to grow with this person? Yeah. Am I willing to love this person as they grow? Yeah. And this could be like taken out of context and been like, oh, well, I just get to like become this new person Let, and my yeah. spouse needs to just get on board. Let me do my thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but there's still this unity. Like there's still this desire that we are one. Um. So do I think it's real? I mean, maybe, yes. Mm-hmm. Do I think it is this thing that's going to ruin your marriage? Absolutely not. Unless you let it. Yeah. Unless you let like the selfishness of, well, it's just been a long time with the same person. And so I'm getting a little bored. Like you can let that happen. Mm-hmm. But I think marriage, just like any friendship, takes nurturing. So it means you got to, you got to, you got to, it's like a garden. You got to water it. You got to tend to it. You got to pay attention to it. Because if you don't, anything, any relationship gets stale, especially in a marriage where you're with that person. I'm with you more than I'm with any other human. You know, just like our, count up the amount of hours in a given month. So I think it takes work. Yes, I think it's definitely possible. And that would be a really sad thing um, to watch like a couple go through. But it is a reality. I yeah, think. I think so too. Let's let's actually take it from the master. This is from the meaning of marriage by T- Tim Keller, which I love this book. If you want to get a book on marriage um, after you get compliment, just kidding. Go get this one. Tim, <laughs> Tim and Kathy Keller wrote this great book. He said in this book, in any relationship, there will be frightening spells in which your feelings of love dry up. Mm. And when that happens, you must remember that the essence of marriage is that it is a covenant, a commitment, a promise of future love. So what do you do? You do the acts of love despite your lack of feeling. You may not feel tender, sympathetic, and eager to please, but in your actions, you must be tender, understanding, forgiving, and helpful. And if you do that, as time goes on, you will not only get through dry spells, but they will become less frequent and deep, and you'll become more constant in your feelings. This is what happens when you decide to love. That's really good. And that, that was an excerpt from Compliment by Aaron Ivey, <laughs> uh, chapter nine. <laughs> No, that's really good. Yeah. Yeah, And and you have to be those things. Yeah, that's what he's saying. And I think that's how, I mean, look at any relationship. I feel that some ways in parenting, Mm -hmm. you know, like sometimes I'm like, I don't actually want to be kind to you because you've been a jerk jerk to me. Yeah. But I need to be those things because that's who I am. And I just, I want to say this caveat here is that we're not speaking of any kind of abuse in marriage. We're not speaking of, you just get to keep taking infidelity after infidelity. We're not talking about that. So just want to make sure that's clear. In anything that we're talking about basically today at all. Totally, totally. Yeah, in those situations, there are uh, other ways that you should demonstrate forgiveness and sometimes that means removing yourself from the situation 100 uh, percent. actually all the times all the time yourself yeah. from the situation uh-huh. if there's uh, abuse um but i love that concept of what he said about um it's a covenant of future love mm. you know i might not feel like showing you love right now yeah but i'm choosing to mm-hmm. i'm going to show you love right now and future love it's yeah. a promise of i'm gonna love you till the end yeah and i think that is one of the things that sets us apart as christ followers is that this idea of like i'm i'm committed to this relationship i'm committed to this covenant um no matter what i mean we you say it in your vows most of us said in our in our on our wedding days yeah. you know um we've made that commitment and that is that future love and i think yeah. that is what separates us from maybe people who don't have the same mindset yeah. of the covenant that god created because it is easy just like oh it's fine i'm i'm done Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The the Christian response to it is, oh, there's something even deeper than just like signing a piece of paper. Yeah. But before God, with mm-hmm. God. Yeah. We're making a promise to each other. 
Yeah. And if you're listening and you're like, well, must be nice for you guys. You guys sound like you have it all together. Mm. Um, I do want to say like, we are in a great spot in our marriage right now. We've had some hard times, but like, it's worth fighting for. And so the ways you fight for it, like seek counseling, individual and couple counseling. Maybe you need to go to like a weekend intensive with your marriage. You know, maybe you need um, to have a group of people who come around every single week and check on you. So like make steps towards that. Nobody can do this on their own. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. We've had people step in and help us. We're both in counseling. You, You cannot do it by yourself. Yeah. You can join the marriage challenge. Mm. Um, and when I say join, it's literally once you sign up, it's free. It costs you nothing. Because it happened last year, you're going to get all 12 months yeah. right away. So you yeah. have access to all 12 of them. We interview people like Jenny and Zach Allen, um, the Stabils. And they're really short, too. Yeah, they're, they're really like short. very, very, um, you know, bite-sized yeah. kind of stuff. With, and they with talk. Great, I mean, we learned so much just from listening to Yeah, with different about topics it. about um, forgiving, uh, following, sex. leading, sex, parenting. mission, parenting. They're really, really great. Nanobots. Anyhow, go to com slash marriage challenge. And if you want to get the book compliment, you can get it wherever you get books. Uh, I'm going to ask you what I ask everyone. What are you reading these days? I'm reading a book called Prayer in the Night. Oh, these happy hour listeners know about that book. Yep. Um, it's By incre- Tish Harrison Warren. Tish Harrison Warren. Uh, it's incredible. You don't have to read much of it because I have read a lot of it out loud to you. Oh, I know. I, I get to a page where I'm like, well, okay, somebody's already read this out loud. Uh, everyone that's listened to the show knows I read that book last fall and could not stop talking about it. You said it. it's the best book you read in 2021. The best book I read in 2021. Hmm. And I um, read in January of this year a book that she wrote previously called Liturgy of the Ordinary. And I read you some of that as well. And yeah. it's really, really, really good. I don't really have to read anymore. Because I tell you all about it? Yeah, you just read every book to me out yeah. loud. Uh, you want me to tell you what I just finished reading? I'd love to. I just finished reading What Happened to You by Dr. Bruce Perry and Oprah Winfrey. Uh, again, a lot of that you read to me. <laughs> um, I listened to it actually on Audible, and so every time you didn't would, read it to me, but Oprah read it to Oprah me in and the Dr. car. Dr. Perry read it to me every time we he would get in the car with me. I'd be like, "Do you care if we listen to my book? It's really good, it's isn't so it? So good, yeah. I was hooked. It's really, really good, really good. Um, so that's what I have read recently. Awesome. You watching anything? So we just watched Dope Sick. We did. Actually, I haven't finished it. Aaron Man. finished it without me. That is one of the best. Like mini series because it's only eight episodes mm-hmm. and I don't think they're doing seasons. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like it the way yeah. it ends. Everyone dies, um, but it was incredible. Yeah, it was so good. It reminded me th- how much I loved it of that mini series of the O.J. Simpson. Yep. Um, or the mini series on Waco. Yeah, I felt like that too. Yeah. Yep. You want to tell me what you just watched because you loved it so much and I bailed. Uh, it's called Station Eleven. Yeah. I loved that show. It left you in the dust though, didn't it? Oh, it was so boring to me. You hated it. I hated it. It's a, it's a, it's from a book, an actual novel, about like post-apocalyptic future. I'm out already. But it's not See? dystopia. It's actually like what's the opposite? Utopia. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, major pandemic hits the world, a type of flu. But mm. this book was written before COVID. Okay. Came around. Uh, so future, big plague, flu, everybody dies. There's like couple thousand people left on the planet but the only thing that survives is the people and art and so they used theater and art um to inspire people again it's awesome i was asleep in the first it's one. so good you hated it i hated it i hated it well aaron ivy thanks for coming into the studio today you're welcome thanks for my marriage i hope we answered your questions i think 
what I would want to leave everyone with about marriage is we say this about marriage all the time. Marriage is not the ultimate blessing that God has given people at all. Right. Uh, we think it is one of them. We think it is one of the ways that he um, represents the gospel to people. Uh, but we have plenty of people who are not married. Um, and, and they, they are, are no less. content they are, and living beautiful, fulfilling lives, building the kingdom. And God is using them in yep. phenomenal ways. And Absolutely. so I just want, I always like to say that when we talk about marriage, because we love to talk about marriage. But sometimes people love to talk about marriage because they think it's like the ultimate goal. And we think, that it is something that we have in our life and a lot of people do. And so we want to encourage the people that are married. Um, and then like our friend from Zimbabwe, like I think that you can glean a lot of this and maybe one day if God has that plan for you, mm-hmm. get a mate and get married. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you uh, for listening and thank you for joining us today. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. I always love it. Thank You're you. Welcome. You're my mate. <laughs> I'll be your mate forever. Thank you so much for listening to the happy hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to give you, and every opportunity we get to point all of us to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is the number one way that people find out about our show. It's because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that will make us think, they'll make us laugh, and they'll always point us back to Jesus. And come find me other places on the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm over there at Jamie Ivy. And if you've never visited my YouTube page, you're going to want to go there. Have you ever listened to a show and wondered, I wonder what they look like? Well, go find us over there. It's jamieivy.com slash YouTube. The Happy Hour is produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell. Graphics are by Amaya Savoy Easton. The show is edited by Angie Elkins. And I'm your host every week, Jamie Ivey. And goodness gracious, I love being here with you guys. Until next time, have a happy hour with a friend.